0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Tonight on another very special one-on-one, we're delighted to be joined by a guy formerly known as Todd the Killer Kelman. It's Todd Kelman. Thanks, Davey. Todd. The idea of this is to try and get you back to being that Todd the Killer Kelman and sort of go right back through your career right from day one. And I suppose that the best place to start is back in Calgary. Do you remember the first time that the, the skates were strapped on? Jesus. I thought you were talking, taking me back to my
1: first time in Belfast, all the way to right. Calgary. It's a long time ago. Mm. Um, <clears throat> first of all, am I – is Simon Kitchen ahead of me on the on on the the northern or on the one on ones?
0: He was kind of like a test case. <laughs> All right, and then we're going for like celebrities now. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. So Calgary, let me think. I I I, I first played hockey. Actually, I think the first time I skated was in Edmonton. Actually, my family my family moved. Um, my brother and sister were both born in Edmonton and then I was born in Calgary. So we moved from Edmonton um, when I was probably three and I I skated on an outdoor rink. There was an outdoor rink just um, around from where, where we grew up in in Edmonton. Um, And uh, yeah. And and my first, my first memory of skating on the outdoor rink, my dad challenged, I think everyone on the ice pad to a a race and he tripped, he toe picked into the end boards and broke his ribs and, uh, and it was horrific <laughs> as a three-year-old. I remember my dad just rolled over broken ribs and he had to go to the hospital. So that's my first skating experience. But um, but my first team in Calgary, was, um, I was probably four years old and I played for the Bonavista Junior-type Flyers. And we had Philadelphia Flyers uniforms. And uh,
0: um, that was, yeah, that was four years old. I think um, Stevie Robinson has that. That Jersey but uh, <laughs> He probably um, does. I, I go on as as a reference point, you know, that your your career's listed across several websites in the internet, but we, we look at your first sort of junior team, I guess, in the Vernon makers. Decent yeah. numbers for were you a D man back then or were you just like yeah a no. offensive or?
1: No, yeah, so um you know it's interesting. Before we get to that, when when I was I know the old time Giants fans will find this kind of interesting, but one of the guys that I played like my pretty much my whole life with, um, who lived kind of down the street from me, went to school with him. Was Sean Selmser, who played one year for the. Um, that's actually why he came to play in Belfast that year when his, his he was playing in Air and his uh, the the Scottish Eagles folded. And then I uh, talked to Wis about bringing him in. I didn't think he'd be there for one weekend and then go on to the <laughs> going on to Austria a career in Austria, but. Um. Yeah, we grew up. We grew up together our whole lives and played together from the time we were probably five years old. So, pretty pretty good weekend.
0: Sean sellers <laughs> It was, was a good weekend. <laughs> uh, you <laughs> know, yeah. you, you go through a junior career in early nineties. Uh, you take the opportunity NCAA school ball and grain. Um. Yeah. Any good stories from the old university days? We well, got to hit Vernon first. You never heard. The,
1: you've probably never heard the story about um, back in Vernon. And he was never supposed to play hockey again, Davy. Go cool, on. Huh? You never knew that? No. Yeah. So when I was 17, I was playing in Vernon and um, having a pretty good season. And uh, and uh, yeah, it, back then, like I, it was right around the time when like lots of people were getting like hit from behind, and and like there was like there was like two or three guys that had been paralyzed uh, in junior leagues and in university and and. Uh, I was playing in Chilliwack, uh, just outside of Vancouver, and I made a pass, came around the net, made a pass, and uh, got absolutely blindsided, basically from behind, well, sort of from the sort of from the side by one of the tough guys on the other team, and um, and my back might like the the boards in Chilliwack were were cemented into um, into the ground, and so there was no give on them; they were literally cemented into the ground, and my back just uh, bounced on the on the on the edge of the boards, which was inches from the glass to the boards a lip of about six inches and my spine just bounced on it three times and I broke three uh, three vertebrae. and luckily my my sister's mother-in-law who lived in Vancouver she just happened to be at the game and she was she was like the head nurse of like a trauma unit in a Vancouver hospital so she jumped the boards and kind of took care of everything and uh, made sure they didn't move me and got the collar on me and all that kind of stuff and I was in the hospital for about three weeks and I was in a steel brace from the neck to the neck down from for maybe four months. And um yeah, and uh and then all the schools that I was talking to before stopped talking to me and uh the only school that really talked to me before and then after was Bowling Green. That's why I went to Bowling Green.
0: I don't know whether we're allowed to tell well, I think told the story whether it's true or false that that the old nickname that we started with, the Todd, the Killer, Calvin nickname. Did that come about when you were at the at the university, or was that in Vernon? That was junior. That was that was Vernon. Vernon. Is that a story we're like the killer? No, just, no. That's just that's, left.
1: Thank forever. That's 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 in the book. That's when the book comes out, Davey.
0: <laughs> so good, good times at university.
1: Yeah, it was great. I mean, um, you know, I went to i i I got down there. Um, I was a true freshman, so I was 18 years old, and I spent four years there. Probably four of the, mo- the, the most enjoyable times, uh, years of my life. I loved it. We had a really good team. I played with some, I, you know, like I played with uh, my best buddy from there is um, a guy named Mike Johnson, who, um, right out of university, went to he went to Toronto. He signed with his hometown team, uh, the Maple Leafs, and he played played for Toronto. Played for. Tampa Bay played for Phoenix and uh, and finished in. Well, he played a year for Montreal, I think, and then he finished in St. Louis. But had a great career. Now he's on. Um, now he's with the NHL Network, um, one of their main commentator guys. So um, it was pretty cool that he he made it. They was my roommate from for all four years. Uh, Todd Reardon, who's the coach of the uh, Washington Capitals, was um, was one of our captains my freshman year. So he was a senior. So he was a fourth year guy when I was my first year guy. Um, Sean Pronger, who's Chris Pronger's older brother, who also played in the NHL. Brian Holzinger was on my team who played uh played in the NHL. So we had a we had a good team. We had a good group of guys. And uh I mean lots of fun. I mean anyone that went to university it's 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 an amazing experience and I know there's kind of two routes in hockey. Some guys go to the go junior, uh junior A, like major junior and play in the OHL or the WHL and then go pro and um and I chose university and I'm glad I did. I it, it, one of the best experiences. I think it's a very different experience than playing junior hockey and, and um, especially getting to go away to the States. It was, it was a lot of fun.
0: Was there pressure on you to, you know, study, come up with good results? Did you qualify with anything or was it mainly focused on the hockey? Um,
1: it, it's weird because, uh, I think sometimes they think you're just going to be stupid and won't be able to do the classes. I think Bowling Green was actually pretty good about being focused on school. We had, we had a, we, it was probably easier to, to graduate playing hockey than it was a normal student because there's the, the hockey team and the sport, the athletics department basically made sure that you went to, you know, like we went to study hall every night. And um, so you, you were kind of forced to do homework for two hours. So you could either screw around for two hours or you could just get your stuff done. And um, so, you know, and, and we were, our coach made us go to class every week and uh, we had to basically, you know, you were, Told to have as close to a hundred percent attendance as you could, and um, so most of us did really well, and you know graduated on time and all that kind of stuff. And I spent a couple summers there, and it's a it's a I mean it's a great opportunity. I don't think I don't know if I would have been able to go to university um, not because of grades but just because of money um, if uh, if I hadn't got a scholarship. So my plan was always to to get a scholarship to kind of ease the burden for my family to rather than having to pay to go to university somewhere. So um, yeah. Worked out really well,
0: and then at the end of the university career comes probably one of the biggest turning points in your whole life, where you end up coming to Europe. But was there ever an opportunity for you to stay, go to coach, Danny's higher leagues? Was the offer just not there? What What was the catalyst for coming to, to London?
1: <laughs> okay, so so I was drafted by St. Louis, right? And and yep, at the time I, I was never invited to the camp or anything. He, um I don't have a great story about why I didn't make it I just didn't I just wasn't good enough I'm I'm one of the guys that can just admit he wasn't good enough but he uh, but when I was done university and and Mike Mike was obviously getting loads of calls from you know like like all the top agents and stuff like that and and um and then I got a call and uh you know I, I, cuz you you have an agent if you if you get drafted you're going to have to get an agent to talk to the team for you cuz you don't really just talk directly to the team and so St. Louis, you know, said you can come to the camp—not in the NHL camp, but you come to our American League camp. Um, but you know, like you, you can kind of do the math, right? You can look and be like, okay, they've got six guys under contract in the NHL, which means they have you know another six in the in the American League. So the likelihood is you're going to play in the East closely. Yeah. Um, and I think I can't remember who their affiliate affiliate was, but it didn't really seem that appealing. And um, so I just thought, you know what? I'm just going to go home, and I think I'm just going to get a job. I have a university degree now. I'm going to get a job, and uh, and I was working a summer job, training hockey players actually on a on a in like a skating treadmill and an off ice program, and um and I got a call from uh, from Toledo, which is like an East Coast League team. And it was right by Bowling Green, so I was kind of I thought, oh, this is great. I can actually like, you know, like a lot of my friends are still at school. It's 20 minutes from Bowling Green, and and I did, you know, I did. A full interview with their with their like president at the time and um, and you know it was, I thought it went really well it's, you know it's, he asked some weird questions like yeah he asked like you know what, what kind of voice I feel like I have what kind of broadcaster I feel like I sound like and I thought <laughs> these are really weird questions but whatever and then about the third interview I realized that they were interviewing me for a play by play job not a hockey <laughs> job <laughs> because I'd taken broadcasting with my undergrad degree right and I hadn't applied for anywhere because I thought I'd get a hockey job, but they were the only team that called me. <laughs> so um, so there I was thinking they were asking, after asking me to play for the, uh, their team, but they actually just wanted someone to take the, the color commentary job. Um, so I obviously didn't take it and uh, went back to Calgary, and then I was working a summer job, and, and my coach at Bowling Green um, was that, came to Calgary to do like a Team Canada training camp with a bunch of other coaches. It was like a coaching clinic. And, uh, one of the coaches on the course with him was, um, was Jim Fiorchuk, who was the coach of the Bracknell Bees. And my, my coach, uh, Jim Fiorchuk was talking one night and said, yeah, um, you know, do you have any guys that are like, kind of like right out of school that would be cheap and, and single and could play in our league? And he's like, I don't know much about your league, but, um, I got a guy. He's working at the rink that this course is coming on. You can go meet him for lunch. And he did. And then that was it. And then I was a Bracknell Bee. So, um, so I, so I, um, so I went to Bracknell. I said to myself, I go for one year and then, you know, kind of tour around Europe afterwards, maybe, and, and, and then get go back home and get a real job. And, uh, so I played a year there and then toured around Europe with my buddy and, and then, uh, who was playing in Edinburgh in the league below actually at the time. And, and then I came back and I thought, oh, I'll go give it a go again. And then I gave it another year. And, um, I think. You know, like, Jim Fjorchuk was only coaching there for one year, and then Wiss, uh, Dave Whistle took over the second year. And I, I really liked Wiss as a guy. I was really, like, I mean, he was older than me on the team when I got there, as in uh, he was kind of like one of the veteran guys. Him and Rob Stewart for, were both on Bracknell with me. And um, I just, those guys were just uh, like, two of my favorite guys I've ever met in hockey. And, and they they kind of, like, looked after me and and always included the young guys and everything. And and uh, my roommate at the time, Brian Greer, who's the goalie, we Just we loved hanging out with Wiss and Stewie, and um, and the old we had, we had kind of a split, we had like a bunch of young guys and then a bunch of old guys, and it was just a nice mix. And um, and yeah, and, and when Wiss got the coaching job, I was like, man, I'd love to play for this guy, and that's and then so for the next two years in Bracknell, and then the next three in Belfast, that was my guy. And my last year in Belfast or in Bracknell, we won the league, and like. You know, Bracknell, I don't know if they've ever won any any league before or after that, but, I mean, it was kind of a shock to the rest of the league. We used to have the coaches, uh, the coach of uh, Manchester, who were playing out of the MEN arena back then, used to not even come to play. Like, when he, when we played Manchester, he would just send his assistant coaches because he didn't think we were, we should be in the same league as them because of our rink and stuff, and, we ended up winning the league that year, so that was that was something, and that's where you know that's the first in Bracknell's where I played with Colin Ward and, and Paxton and Schulte and Kevin Real and a lot of the guys that became Giants with me. So,
0: just, just took, took took my question away there, Todd. You know, if, if you look at the rosters over the three four years that you're in Bracknell, it grew and grew towards almost what the Belfast Giants became. You know, you've, you've named them there Paxton and Wardy and Goodwin and Real yourself, Shane Johnson, Dave Whistle. You know. When, if we can gloss over the Bracknell years, you've spoke about the championship. When Dave Whistle took the job in Belfast and came to you to say, it's an opportunity here to come to Belfast, how easy a a decision was that to make? He never did. He never did. He didn't? Right, okay. Uh,
1: Do you want to know why? Because he wasn't
0: allowed to. There was a rule. He
1: could only talk. He could only, I think it was like he could take two guys with him, or maybe it was three. Right. And so he obviously was taking Stewie. Yeah. And, um... And and then he took Kevin Real. Uh smart smart move, you know, probably our our best player the year before him in in Bracknell. Um and then maybe Paxton was the third, but it might have just been the two of them that he was allowed. And it was kinda like an uh, like a gentleman's rule between Bracknell and, and Wis that he wouldn't take everyone, right? So Stewie so Stewie called me and said, Yeah, you know, Wis, there's this rule that he can't take anyone. Um and I was like oh man that's too bad I'd love to go there it sounds amazing he goes oh it's amazing i you know i'm i'm going it's going to be amazing i've wiss has said great things about it and and he's like the thing is he there's no rule about that you can't call wiss he just can't call you and so i was like oh okay i got it so i called wiss and said hey wiss um i would like to come play for you in belfast and he's like oh uh you know and basically kind of we laughed and he's like yeah i didn't call you did i and i'm like nope and then and then I, I, Wardy actually was visiting me at my house in Calgary. And I told Wardy to do the same thing, to call, call Wiss. And so he called Wiss too. And, uh, and so, so yeah, so that's how me and Wardy got there. Paxson might've been before Paxson, we might've called Packer too and told him to come, to come there. Um, but you know, and Johnny, Johnny was there. Johnny did the same thing. Johnny called Wiss. So before you knew it, there were seven of us that, I think there were seven. I think it was me. There was me, Stewie, uh, Colin Ward. Uh, Johnny Paxton, Kevin Real, Todd Goodwin, seven. Yeah, seven of us. Um, and I mean, Goody Goody was hurt. I think the year before, so he came. He he didn't really play until. No, yeah, I think he. I didn't. Don't think he played till maybe November that first year. I don't remember, but um, yeah, I mean, the core. So basically, the core of the Bracknell Bees became the Belfast. The core of the Belfast Giants, which is pretty cool.
0: Do you remember? Getting into Belfast the first time, do you remember going on that? I think he was yeah. like to Sweden preseason that first year. The Odyssey obviously he was still under construction. Played a lot of games on the road, uh, home yeah. games, but playing the Sky Dome. We played all over place. Uh, yeah. I think we we'll played a game on Blackburn. I think we'll play just yeah, we played. Yeah, we did. We get yeah. home.
1: Yeah, yeah. I remember the trip to Sweden. We had, we no no one really that, that first year for West was tough recruiting because it was still up in the air people weren't sure what to do like with if, if it was safe it was you know that kind of thing and we went to Sweden with like I think we had like four defense or three defense and maybe eight forwards and like um and we were playing against teams in the, in the league like the second league the um league, League with you know four lines and seven d and They've been training for a month, and 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 usually Paxton got thrown out in the first period anyways for hitting a guy or punching a guy. And so before you knew it, we're playing with like eight forwards and four D on this trip around Sweden. Still one of the best, most fun experiences I've ever had. We our our tour guide was a guy named Gunnar Svensson, who is kind of a legend in hockey. Uh, we to this you know Gunnar sadly passed away a couple months ago um, from cancer, lost his battle to cancer. But you know to this day, like what's it been twenty? You know, 20 years, I'd see him all the time. I'd see him at world championships or at the CHL draw and the gunner would, we'd all, we'd talk about Sweden. We'd talk about the trip. We'd talk about Wiss. He, he just, I mean, he just, he knows everyone in hockey and, and everyone, I mean, Dave Whistle, uh, sorry, Dave Sims and Paul Thompson actually became really good buddies with Gunner as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, what a trip. I mean, so funny. We just, I, I remember the first, after the first game, we were supposed to practice the next morning and I was rooming with Paul Ferrone and, uh, and we were both young guys and we wanted to make a good impression and so so the guys were having a couple of beers after the game in the lobby and uh and me and Faron Fer- went to bed at maybe like 11 or something like that and then we went to practice the next morning and we got to the rink and blatch was there our trainer and he's like what are you guys doing here And we're like what do you mean we have we have we have a practice at like 10 a.m and he's like no no it got canceled i'm like when he's like both three in the morning Whis <laughs> called it <laughs> Was canceled practice about three in the morning, and we we're like, "Oh man, what are we doing?" And so it wasn't the best fitness trip, but it was probably the best team bonding trip. We, I mean, when we get together, we still talk. I, I probably talk to Wardy once a month still, and we laugh about the trip to Sweden all the time. So,
0: I'm going to give you a, a Belfast Giants trivia question. See if you see if you can see okay. how much you do remember. That can you remember who scored the very first Belfast Giants goal? Paul Faron. Very good. Do you know what else was interesting about that first night? Hmm. Well, Corey Carlander hat-trick.
1: Corey Carlander hat-trick in Sweden? In the first game. Really? I don't even remember that. I just remember, I remember when, because Corey scored the first goal, I think, went official goal when it was like against an elite league or a Super League opponent. And and so everyone always talked about how Corey scored the first goal, and then Faron was like, "What are you talking about? I scored the first goal. It was exhibition, but I scored the first goal." They used to always, uh, Faron used to always tell Corey that he scored the first goal because is that correct? It was it Corey or real that one of them scored the first official? I'll
0: have to look that one up for you. Whenever you're waxing lyrical during the, uh, I'll come up with the answer for you. (laughs) But uh, yeah, Rocco scored the very first goal, sixth of September two thousand. Isn't that crazy? My God. Um, and yeah. then our first, our first ever home game, we played it in Coventry. Yep, I remember that. And Coventry was pretty, pretty new. It was a pretty new, pretty new arena too. It would have been. And as I say, we 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 played oh Blackburn, Coventry, Basingstoke, Milton Keynes, and then I think it's early December, the opening night for the Belfast Giants in Belfast. You know, you've talked about this before, but that was a very special occasion. Which, oh, the first game in Belfast. Yeah,
1: man. I, I still don't, can't believe we lost it. Everyone forgets we lost that first game. And, and, you know, like fans just assume we won it. But what an experience like this. Leading, that whole week leading up to it, you know, like, you know, Bob Zeller giving us a bunch of tickets to give away to people and then having to take them all back because it was sold out. And, uh, hmm. I mean, there's people that I would run into years later telling me about how they, they remember that opening night, not having a clue what was going on. We came out for warm up and the whole crowd like it was already packed. The the whole place was jammed for that for warm up. Um, a lot of people you know, there was probably some people that understood hockey and stuff, but there was a lot of people that just had no clue. And and I remember Bosey and Packer, uh uh Jay Bowen, um and Paxton talking about who was gonna fight first there was going to be an absolute legend for the team. And Packer fought first
0: <laughs> and uh and became a legend, you know? And he, he, I think Paxton also scored the first goal in the Odyssey, the Odyssey. that night. So yeah. he he really wrote himself into history that night. Got through out of the game, of course. Um yeah. But the Belfast Giants go on a bit of a tear up over the next, you know, what, twenty four months. We we win the league the following season. We yeah. Then
1: let's no, that the first time we we'll, we'll we'll go we'll, on
0: the playoffs. Well, we won the league that year. Like it was very different than winning it
1: with. Um, Bracknell. When we won it with Bracknell, we didn't really realize we were in the hunt the whole year until kind of right at the end, you know, because cause we just always thought, oh, we're doing well, but we're never gonna come close to winning it. That was in Bracknell, but then in Belfast, like we stepped on the ice that second season, and and it's the first time that I thought, man, like this is this is the best hockey team I've ever been a part of in my whole life. Like you, you know, like you not nothing against that first year, but the first year was. I think we were, you know, we recruited who would come kind of thing. You know, like it was, it was, it wasn't maybe the easiest year of recruiting, but that second year after, after teams traveled over and saw what we had and just some of the players we got that second year, like, like seeing Jason Ruff, you know, Ruffles there, Chad Allen, uh, Sandwith, um, Barron's comes in and lights it up. Like you just think of that team that second year, how good it was. It was, it was crazy. It was, it was, it was unbelievable. And, um, Mike Bales and Net, you know, like it, it's just it's ridiculous. Think of the get like Cavi and Mike Bales were our goalies. That's in, that's insane, you know. Both of them, both of them were like legitimate stud starters in the league, and um and we had both of them. So it was it was something that was that was a special year. And, and I think we clinched it. Or I don't I don't know if anyone's ever clinched it earlier than that year. I think we clinched it like mid January, didn't we? Um, I. If
0: you say so, I don't. I honestly certainly early for for the it was early the playoffs were the playoffs were a lot longer back then, so yeah, the season generally finished a little earlier. So yeah,
1: yeah, season usually finished like end mid to end of February, but I think we clinched it like mid January. We clinched it in Bracknell. We tied the, like it was a tie that that meant we won the league, and um, yeah, it was it was fun. It was fun to clinch it in Bracknell too after getting booed for two years every time we went to that rink. So. Um, let's
0: let's talk about a, a, a guy. Let's talk about his holly, hockey uh, hockey ability, his hockey knife before we go on to like, he's been in Belfast right from the start, bar a little time he took away in the middle of the come before he came back. Rob Stewart. What a defenseman yeah. Rob Stewart was for the Belfast Giants. Oh, unbelievable. He, I mean, the
1: league, the, he had this ability to just slow the game down. And not that he was a slow player, but he just, he was he was as calm the league kept getting better and better and he just he he improved with it you know he i don't know how cuz he just he just i don't know cuz i i used to i used to just wish i had that kind of patience he would just sit there and toe jag a guy in the blue line blast a shot and like i mean if you broke down his skill set he's not a huge guy he didn't hit hard like he didn't crush guys um but he had a cannon of a shot he was so smart on the power play it's, it's, he's one of those guys that just like, it was, it was just fun playing with him. And, and, and you realized why back then, like, he never did more in North America. Cause at the time, you know, probably when he was coming up, a defenseman had to be six foot one, six foot two to even get a look at anything, right? And, you know, nowadays, a more skilled, smaller defenseman, not that he's small, but he's 5'10 or whatever. He might tell you he's 5'11 or six foot, but he certainly isn't. And, um, I mean, just, just, just a great skilled player. Really fun to watch. And, and like, you know, one of the best captains uh, I remember in my time. Uh, you know, just uh just I don't know, he just he, it's one of the, the things I always remember when I talk to our captains about always having the back like you know, like he never bitched about a coach or an owner to the team, you know? And and if he if he didn't believe in like if he didn't agree with something Wis was doing, he would go in and talk to him. But he would always straighten you out too and and I think nowadays you know, players are often too nice to each other, but he, you know, if he heard someone bitching about like travel or this or that, he would just, he would just be like, shut the hell up guys. What what, what are we complaining about? And he would, and he would just, and, and then you would, you just shut up. As soon as Stewie told you to shut up, you just all kind of calm down, you know? And, and, and sometimes you need that because hockey players, like anything, it's, it's like you have a lot more time. You're on the bus a lot. So, so, you know, people bitch a lot <laughs> and, and it's not, it's not us back then or, or anyone in Bracknell or anything. It's, it's every hockey team. They just, the more time you give them, the more they'll, they'll bitch about stuff. And, and, um, and Stewie was pretty good at like, just telling us all to kind of realize what we're doing. We're playing a game for a living and, and we've got it pretty good here. So and as I know. a guy, like one of my, one of my favorite guys, one of my best friends through hockey all over the years, you know, one of the, one of the biggest uh, things I miss about, um, about, moving away from Belfast is is missing hanging out with Stewie.
0: I think one of my favourite stories, or not stories, one of my favourite memories of Stewie is he he came back, he obviously he coached the team, didn't work out. He, he went away, I think he coached in Sheffield maybe went back to yeah. Romford or something for a bit as well. He came back to Belfast in the O five, O six season, the O Courtney that season, and on his first night back he scores maybe one of the sweetest blue lines, sweet shots you'll ever see. You know, he just, yeah. he had that cannon you're talking about.
1: Yeah. Oh, I remember that. That was, that was one of my, that was, that was when, one, one of my favorite things that I got to be involved with. Cause I, I, uh, we were having trouble with that year. We had some injuries and Ed Courtney asked if I knew any d men, And I was like, Rob Stewart. And he's like, no. And I'm like, he's been skating with us all summer. He's, he's exactly the same player as he was three, four years ago. And, um, and and when Ed sort of said like this is you know you're vouching for him it was like a it's like an Italian move, uh, mob movie you're vouching for him you know I expect uh, I you know like you're putting your ass on the line kind of to to bring him in and 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 I was very happy that he scored <laughs> the first game and I I played a lot with Stewie that year when because uh, we won the league that year yep. and, uh, yeah and I played a lot with him that year and
0: let's uh, let's rewind before we talk about that league victory. Back yeah. to the uh, the playoff win uh, in, the, yeah. in the last year of what would have been the ASL there. Um Johnny yeah, coming up. I think with sorry Johnny, yeah, yeah, Johnny. Johnny coming up with two goals in the playoff final. That was that was quite a run to the playoffs, and then coming up with that final against London and Aldermaston as well. That was that
1: was, uh, that was cool that year. That that was probably the funnest, maybe the funnest team I ever. Like if if I think the year before was the best team as far as skill level the funnest year of hockey for me as a player was, was that year with um, when we won the playoffs. Uh, th- those two seasons kind of like morph into one because a lot of the guys are similar players, but um, I was really good buddies with cruiser uh, really loved that guy. And um, that was a, that was a fun, fun, fun team. Coolbara, Dougie McDonald, <laughs> Sorokin, Sandrock, who obviously I was, I became really good buddies with. Like we just had such a good group of guys, like just to, that was the tightest team I've ever won on for sure. And um, we missed the league out by a point, I think, in the last weekend of the season. Uh, we should have probably won the league. Thorntz was on that team. Thorntz was, I mean, we didn't, we, we basically went undefeated almost when Thorntz joined the team. We, you know, that was the year we went to the Continental Cup. Thorntz joined the team at Christmas. We kind of went on a huge run then. Um, he was sort of the final piece of the puzzle. And, and you think of, like, you know, some of my best friends in hockey from that year, including Thorntz. Um, I blame him though. We were we were we always bugged Thorts because we flew to every game until the day Steve Thornton got there, and that was that was when money troubles were first kind of rearing their ugly head in Belfast when the Super League was kind of on the brink, and um, and we'd been told at Christmas that we were getting you know we were we were struggling to pay the wages for the one the one month in December, and so we'd all gone away on like we had like a week off, and a few of us went to Lands or audience stuff, and we were like how can they how can they be struggling to pay the wages. And now when you're on this side of things and you see all the costs, you can see why. But um and then we come back and we've signed Steve Thornton. <laughs> we're all like, How can we afford to do this if we're struggling to pay wages? And then and then all of a sudden we went from flying to every game to taking the bus. We were, you know, we 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 drive to the ferry, take the bus to Cardiff, uh turn around, come back the next day. Um there was a legendary story of I think it might have been our first our first road trip after we started busing and and we played in London, I think, on a Friday. And then we had in Bracknell on the Sunday and Paul Cruz had said, like, kind of jokingly, but kind of not jokingly. He said, like, all right, we're we've got it. We've got to go into these games and like we've got to lose. <laughs> like we've got we we cannot we cannot win these games because if we win these games, they're going to tell us that we have to drive to every single game for the rest of the season. So we went to London and it was like you're not gonna you're not gonna try to lose, right? So we all play hard. We win the game like I don't know what it was four two or four three, and London was a big rival of ours that year. And then afterwards, Cruz was like, all right, boys, well, we're in Bracknell in two days. We gotta have a pub crawl. We gotta screw. We got. We can't win in Bracknell. And um, so Saturday, I'm like, this is this is. I shouldn't be telling these stories because fans will be appalled at this because this is very unlike our. You know, you wouldn't see this happening now, and probably it was the only time in our whole career we did this, but. We like literally went on a pub crawl on the, on the Saturday around London. And, uh, and, um, we all got home maybe three in the morning. Uh, Corey Carlander probably got home at about eight in the morning. And, uh, and we went into Bracknell the next day. We were all hungover. And basically, we were just like, this is ridiculous. We haven't been paid. We're, um, you know, we're, we're, we're gonna lose the game. Uh, That'll show ownership, you know. That'll show them that we that we need to fly to these games. It's so stupid of how you how you're thinking. And uh, I think we beat them like eleven two or something like that. I think Carlander had a hat trick in the first period. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was
0: insane. And then we never flew to another game the rest of the year. <laughs> Obviously, at the end of that, the high of winning the playoffs, and then you go into a summer of. Confusion—you don't really know what's going to be happening with the club, the elite league setting up, the ISLs collapsing. It's, was that a, yeah. a a time where you wondered what was going to happen with your career, or were you focused oh, yeah. on on making Belfast work?
1: No, I um, I was I was fully committed to quitting hockey. Actually, I I got a job. I went home to Calgary. I got a job. I I interviewed for as many jobs as I can. I got a sales job, and um, and I was working away. And I was staying in touch with Stewie because the, the league, no one was really sure of the league, what was happening, and um, and um, yeah, so I'd kind of stayed in touch with Stewie, and and it got to be like late July, and um, and I was actually, at, <laughs> funny enough, I was at Steve King, who I yeah. one of the owners of the Devils. Um, I was at his house, and he lived across. Uh, well, he my my sister didn't live there at the time, but my sister lives across the street from Steve now, my sister and her husband, but. So Steve has a house on this lake and we were at the lake. Um, so so we swam over to Steve's house and then we were all hanging out and it was my sister and um, a few of her friends and we were all talking and, and uh, one of my sister's friends who's a teacher said, oh, so when are you going back? And I said, oh, I'm I'm not. I got a regular job and I'm just going to, you know, like kind of, kind of done the hockey thing and, and you know, it's not, you know, I'm not making, I'm not getting rich doing it or anything. And she goes, but, but you love it. And I'm like, yeah. And she said, she said, what, you stupid? She's like. We go to work every day, and we wish we had jobs like you guys had. And uh, what do you do it? Who cares if it's a don't, just go back, just go back and play till your legs fall off. And uh, and I went home and I was like, yeah, you're right. And I I called Stewie, <laughs> called Stewie, and came back. And that's why I came back because this this girl named Kelly, who uh, actually came and visited us in Cardiff uh, last year. Um, she talked me into it. She didn't even have to talk to me. She just kind of gave me the speech about like sometimes you need to hear it. Like, what are you doing, man? You know, sometimes you have these ideas in your head that it's the right thing to do to, you know, get a regular job or whatever. And um, I'm glad
0: I did because I uh, went back, played you know a few more years, and the rest is the rest. That was a kind of turning point for you know, almost British hockey as well, where local players, British players, became much more involved in the league, and obviously our own guys coming, Mark Morris and Graham Walden. I know Gareth Martin, all those guys started getting Christmas gypsy, Christmas maybe as well. Yeah. Yeah. How I... was that difficult for you guys to have those guys coming in or did you embrace them? Like, that first season was difficult for Stu to get it wrong. Like, Jason Ruff was incredible, carried that team. Yeah. He had the guts of 100 points. 100%. Brad Kenny scored against all the crap teams. You know, yeah. we, we had our problems that season. Sean Barnes came in, was a bit of a high point for weeks but E-week, it was a difficult season yeah. yeah i mean the hardest
1: part for us was going from the high of the super league the quality of the super league um to to what the elite league was the first year and and you know you went from essentially four-line hockey you basically went from what you have right now quality four-line hockey very professional high level imports like you're talking you know you're getting Jason Ruffs and these guys are like playing in the DL coming to that, coming to the British League. So um and uh and, and all of a sudden you go from that to you know no offense to these guys but like you know Brad Kenny coming in and getting 7 points in the second night of the season and and you're like oh man. And I I remember we we played Basingstoke maybe our second or third game and we we're in Basingstoke and we were crushing them, like crushing them. And uh and Wardy skated over to me and he said, uh, you wanna just quit right now and pretend this season never happened? <laughs> and we we're three ga- we were three games in. He goes, We could just retire and remember the Super League. We'll just we'll just go out as playoff championship. Should we just quit right now? And I was like, Yeah, let's do it. And it was like middle of the second period in Basin. Soak. All their imports had failed to get like flights on time or visas on time. So we were basically playing a full uh squad of like young British players and we were just crushing them. And um and it was it was not fun for fans like you were basically playing two and a half line hockey and four defense and uh, if you know Colin Ward got hurt for I think January and we basically lost every single game because we relied completely on I think it was I think it was uh, Bozy uh, um, Kurt Bowen yeah. I think it was Kurt Jason and and Ward he played on the top line right and that was pretty much our scoring and then the second line was Paxton Sample and Kenny. And then our third line was Mo. Um, uh, who was on our third line? Mo was with Gareth uh, Martin and Thanks. JB. Bozzi played up the line. Bozzi played a bit of forward, yeah, and yeah, yeah and, and I mean, it's it's not a cut on what those guys brought to the team. It's just it was you know as a fan, you went from sold out arenas and and all imports to to three line hockey and and more like you know two and a half line hockey. And like, let's be honest, the quality of you know. When, when we go from playing six defense to playing four defense for the whole night and me and Johnny were basically on the, you know, we could, we would play 35 minutes a game and, and, um, and it wasn't, you know, whereas before we were playing 20 minutes a game, it's, it's, it's just the quality had gone down. Um, But, but then you think of some of those guys, like one of my favorite things about that changeover, like it probably the first year I didn't love, but, but then, you know, I, I got back into it, Um, you know, when, 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 um, when it got to, you know, like the year with Tony was fun, Tony hand, but, but then when Ed came in, it got really good and Theo came in and, and but like, I don't, I don't know that you're not going to meet three better guys. Um, at least, you know, in my opinion from uh, Mo train, Graham Walton and Chris McGimsey. And, um, and a lot of import guys, you know, don't really take the time to get to know the locals as much as they should. And, in, and, in, and, in, um you know one of the things i'd say about my teams now is that they're all they're, there's no imports and locals it's just everyone's a teammate but those first couple of years i think people really looked down on some of the imports like some of the older guys maybe didn't didn't embrace them as much on other teams but on our team like you got to think it was me warty packer uh ruffles we just loved those guys and we became tight with them you know like like i used to hang out i probably hung out with uh gimper and Mo and Wally more than I hung out with most of the guys on the team. And, and, um, I love those guys. Great, just great guys. And then they, they, they kind of helped save the team, you know? And, um, and you think of like the Mo train became kind of a legend in his own town. And then Wally retired as the player that had played the most games in double or in giants history. Sorry. Um, and, uh, I don't know. Great guys. Love those guys. And, and like just part of the, Part of the interesting history of the Belfast Giants, you
0: know? We go on a season then, Stewie, as we've talked about, moves on. Tony Hancock. Stewie got screwed, by the way. Let, oh, let's be it. honest.
1: Completely got screwed. And I can say it now because I'm long gone, but man, all all they asked him to do was to not finish below fourth place and to make sure that he got it, he stuck on budget, and he did. And, um, and, you know for a guy that's one of the best guys in hockey, he definitely got screwed. So,
0: but it happens, it's a sport, it happened, and we're yeah. glad that he was able to come back. And I yeah. will go on that the following season, Tony Han comes in as head coach. And, and you know, I think that was it, was up maybe the lockout season in the NHL. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't think we took the opportunity to bring anybody in, but with Mel Anglestad, obviously, it was a bit of a yeah. head case that yeah. season with, with Dermot Kelly. The good story of the, uh, yeah. the guys coming to the ice bowl, threw himself yeah. to. To try yeah, and get a job. And, and of course, there was, well, I was going to say there was silver there that season. There was a little bit of glassware that season. <laughs> we, we we won the Crossover Cup. And I don't know if you can yeah. remember, I think it was, I, I can't remember it was Guilford who played in, in the, the second game, but Roman Gavalier scores the winner and does the row boat celebration at centre ice. I remember that. Yeah. Jesus. I remember that. That's
1: hilarious. If you remember that year, the, the Bracknell team was probably better than most of the teams in our league. Guilford was pretty close to it. Guilford had an NHLer. Um but Bracknell had that one year. they had Pete Campbell on that team in Bracknell. Um man, yeah, yeah, they were good. I that's the that's the year I lost my nose, I think. I think that's the year. Yeah, with Tony. When Matthew Myers cut my nose off. Did you ever talk to him about that? Because I haven't really forgotten oh. <laughs> him. <laughs> yeah, no, I I I I brought it up um when we first signed him the first year. Because <coughs> he obviously it's not a story he tells, it's one I don't mind telling. So um yeah, but, uh, yeah, that was a, that was a strange year. I, I, I cut my nose off and then I had to wear, I remember I had to wear a face shield for like, I probably wore it, I was supposed to wear it for the rest of the year and I think I wore it for about four weeks before I took it off again, but, um, yeah, it was not a fun year for, uh, for injuries because after going, I think I'd gone up to that point without ever getting injured and missing a game and then, um, the nose thing, I only missed, I think, three games with my nose getting cut off, but, uh, um, yeah, I broke my foot in the first uh, the first game of playoffs, but and so I didn't practice the rest of the time. But I just played games, and in, in my I had like a a spiral fracture in my heel. So that it was just that was a
0: a, a year I'd like to forget as far as injuries go. Well talk. I, ha- I have to ask you about Mel Angostad. Like one of the toughest minor league guys that ever played the game. Kim the bat wasn't really called upon that much for. For his kind of fighting there was allegations that Tony wasn't alarming the fight and stuff I remember one I remember two nights I guess the one night that he fought Eric Kearns and yeah. Cornish on the same night, yeah, yeah. And oh God, one you night know. that he supermaned and and oh, <laughs> scrum the cross checks on me in the head it uh, I can't, uh, you know I can't yeah. remember who he did, but like he, he was slightly on i think
1: it. I think yeah I think he ended up hitting Johnny, though
0: i think I think Johnny
1: was like tied up with the guy Johnny turns around and sees Engelstad coming full speed. No, he was a he was a beauty. I really liked him. He was a good guy. But he um yeah he fought Cairns and and um Cornish the same game and and Cairns, like and he knew he was gonna do it. He just he just knew he was gonna do it. And then afterwards he went and talked to Cairns and got him to sign his stick. So um yeah he, he's uh we, it's too bad because I, I he went to Newcastle next year and then I think he got like in a stick swinging incident and he got thrown yeah. out of the league or something like that. But um yeah good guy
0: really good guy. The next season is possibly one of the most rememberable ones from from a fan's perspective. From from a player's perspective obviously as well. The story September of Theo. how it all came about, Johnny meeting how would you call him Jimmy Worsted. Jimmy Worsted. And, and and everything that came after. And all of a sudden, come late September, October, Theo Fleury is playing for the Belfast Giants. I uh, know. Still crazy.
1: It's still crazy. And and the funny thing is you could probably like Theo's story of how he got to Belfast is just as crazy as Johnny's story about meeting the meeting Jimmy Worski on a plane. Like it's it's nuts. It's crazy. Um but uh yeah, Theo Fleury, like my my childhood hero playing playing for us in, in Belfast. One of the one of the craziest things that's ever happened, I think, and, and um a lot of fans started watching the the Belfast Giants. They're probably still watching it now because Theo Fleury was on the team, you know? And do you, do you remember his first night? Of course. Yeah. Like it was oh, Crazy, wasn't it? Crazy. It was like one of the best. I, I just remember him walking around the dressing room before the game in his, like, jockstrap and no shirt on. And I was like, man, this guy must be 40 pounds overweight. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, and like, and the thing is, like, I watched him my whole life, right? I I love the guy, like literally my favorite player um, ever to play for Calgary Flames, Theo Fleury, and um, and I you know like I, I skipped school to go to the Stanley Cup parade in 1989 and was front row screaming to Theo Fleury, and uh, and yeah, it's just it's crazy, it's it's absolutely nuts, and um, and so yeah, I was really nervous when he came in because like I didn't know how to take it. We and we'd heard the stories. He'd been, you know, he'd, he'd been on on the sauce, and and he he was trying to get over his addictions and all that kind of stuff. And and I mean everyone, I, I I was expecting the worst. I was expecting a terrible teammate and a terrible guy and and just like wouldn't have cared about us. Just kind of there to get his shit back together. And quite the opposite. Great teammate. Great guy very generous um very open with his stories about like the nhl we the poor guy probably i hope he likes telling stories he's a hell of a tor- uh, storyteller and um and and i so i told him after about three days i was just like listen man i know you're probably gonna only play here for a year and and i know you're not drinking or anything so anytime you need to stay in the hotel one of us will stay with you probably a few of us will stay with you and uh but you have to you have to tell us your stories, and he told us every story. He told us the great ones on the on ice, the off ice stuff. He told us some crazy ones. He told us some scary ones, and a lot of funny ones. And um, and and the best part is like, if I'm telling a story and it involves Paxton and Wardy, he's telling a story that involves Gretzky and Messier. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, I, so it's... <laughs> I I heard one story from that season. I think these were maybe play Edinburgh way or something and it was you know, you're running the score up it's five or six after the second period Breer in the second intermission and, and somebody said right come on lads let's you know slow it down let's try and score a hundred yeah yeah
1: that was our coach it was it might have been the first night it might have been that first night against Edinburgh right um yeah I think it might have been because Ed Courtney Ed Ed like Stayed in the coach's office. Then he'd come in because he was a player coach, right? and he'd come in and, yeah. and he came in and he said, "Hey guys, that's like one of my best friends over there, Tony Hand. Um, I don't want to embarrass him anymore. Uh, you know, he basically gave me this, job, got me this job, and, and got me the interview with Belfast. He's the reason that I was able to come here. I just want to show him a bit of respect. So we're just, let's just, let's just rein it in. Let's just, you know, get through the next one. Let's not score any more goals. And then he walked out of the room, and Theo stood up and said. That sorry about this. If there's kids listening, not not a chance. We're gonna score a hundred if we keep running it up, keep running it up. There's no way I'm stopping. And then, and I think that was when, if you remember, he found out who Tony Hand was. And this is Theo. Like I mean, it's this is probably why he's in the NHL because he was a prick and on the ice. Like he he found out which one because that, that's the first. Like I know he'd heard about Tony Hand, but like you know British legend all this stuff. And he just wanted to embarrass him. He wanted to show that he was a better hockey player than him. And and, uh, that's, I mean, he's ultra competitive. I remember in Cardiff one time, Sacratini lined up a, for a face-off and said to Theo, Hey man, I just want to say you're one of my favorite NHL players of all time. I, you know, you're a big reason why I love hockey. And, and, uh, and Flurry put him in a headlock off the opening draw and basically said, don't ever talk to me like that on the ice ever again. You know, like I'm your enemy tonight. And just, and just gave it to him about ever saying that. And then I said, what did he say? And he said, oh, he said I was one of his favorite players and, I don't want that. He said, I, I I want him to bring his best. I want him to hack me and slash me. And, and it's true. Like you, if you didn't, if you didn't hack Theo and slash him in practice, he used to scream at you, scream at you. Like easily the most competitive guy i ever, ever played with. And and we didn't see him. We didn't see him at his best. Right. Like I can't imagine when he was 23 in the NHL going up against like, cause there's lots of small guys in the NHL. Now there wasn't back then. Like people don't even realize like, Theron Flurry should never have made the NHL because he was playing at a time when guys were forwards are huge, and there was fighting every night, and there was clutching and grabbing, and and you know there wasn't there wasn't drops to sort stuff out, and people were trying to take your head off and butt end you all the time, and and he was he was mixing up with all of them, and and I mean he's a legend, and that's why like he, he, Theron Flurry for the, for what he did in the NHL at that time. Is in insane. If he if he was that size playing now, it wouldn't be that out of sorts, really. You know, because there's lots of skilled small guys, but he was not. You know, he's playing at the at a big man's game at the at the time when the biggest men mattered. You know,
0: I think it's kind of on doubted if, if Theo didn't have his off ice problems, he'd be in the Hall of Fame now. Um, still should be in the Hall of Fame. Oh, I agree. I thing. agree, but I think yeah, that's they'll the come it. to their
1: they'll come to their senses. That they got to come to their senses at one point. Like, I mean, for what he did for hockey, for what he did, I, I bet there's umpteen
0: small guys that played the game purely because of Theron Flurry. You know, you, you, he, you talk he about his competitive edge on that, that yeah. very first night. You know, he goes and grabs. I think it's Freddie Adoya. He's sadly yeah. longer with us. It goes and yeah. grabs. Edinburgh's biggest player after scoring four goals or whatever it was, two assists, three assists, seven three. points, like, three goes goals. Who's grabs the biggest goals. guy and, and <laughs> puts up a big big fight? Yeah, beats the crap out of him. Even
1: said it was I think that, that was in the third period because it was either in the second or the third. But he, he Maybe. asked. he said who he said who's the toughest guy and and I was like uh, whatever his name is a doy or whatever and he's like okay and and that's when we were actually like oh Christ here we go he's not gonna like. Now this is getting ridiculous because before the game, he actually got the stats from the league and he came over and he's like, and I mean, he was, he was all showman at that time. He d- he came over and he goes, he's like, Hey, who's this guy? Um, I think it was Tessier, Dan Tessier. I think he was lead the league in scoring. It might've been him or it might've been someone on the audience. I can't remember, but whoever it was, he said, who's this guy? And he was just, remember Theo started like 10 games into the season or six games in or something, right? And this guy had, you know, a 20 point lead or something. And, uh, and he said, do you think I gave him enough of a head start? And we, like, we were loving it, but we were actually kind of laughing, going like, man, he's he's 40 pounds overweight. He's 20 points behind. He's not going to. And then he gets nine points or seven points the first night. We're like, oh, he just might do it. And uh, and uh, sure enough, he did.
0: <laughs> and, you know, we we go on to win the championship. But one of my favorite things, and we never did it again, we put the lucky Looney on their center ice before the start of the season that year. I remember yeah. it was Theo or somebody came at the, when the night we got Jim, the... It was Jimmy Worski. It was Jimmy Worski. Was it? Um, yeah. The, the night we got the Monty Pool and everybody got their cigars, somebody went to Centre Ice and like, dug it out with an ice pick. It was it's yeah. just, that's a really good memory.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.